I want to share a little bit about kind of the beginnings of this church. Uh, and one of the things that we were committed to then and we're committed to now. And that is uh, that within the American Christian Church today, uh, there is there's an evangelical end and there's an Assemblies of God charismatic end. And uh, from the beginning, uh, we really wanted to be uh, true to uh, being worshipers in spirit and truth. Uh, and over here on the evangelical side, there's a lot of uh, truth that was committed to. Uh, but if you get over here on the outside, on the edges of that, uh, away from the middle, it became legalism, and it wasn't honoring to God. And over here on the assemblies, uh, or more charismatic end, uh, there was great empowerment through the Holy Spirit, uh, but at times became disconnected from the Word of God and became kind of wacky. Uh, so what we've tried to do is, uh, is, is be sensitive to, aware of this notion of being empowered evangelicals, committed to the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's, uh, having been an elder here for how, since the beginning, uh, that's kind of a up and down, and uh, we've got lots of people from lots of different backgrounds, uh, but we try to try to stay true uh, to a balance between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Uh, that applies also to each one of us in our individual lives, um, in our how we see ourselves, how we see God, uh, the totality of our circumstances. If any of you uh, were here when it was 30 or 40 or 50, the first couple of years that uh, uh, I'd get up here and talk on Sunday mornings, uh, you probably thought that you uh, uh, had heard the word paradigm the last time when I quit preaching. Uh, but we're going to we're going to revive the word paradigm, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today in terms of the paradigm from which we see ourselves, in which we see God, in which we see the world around us. <clears throat> when I was a kid, uh, there was in our house there was a great commitment to the Scripture. But it was interesting because the scripture was used to primarily bring about the, the message in the end that my mom wanted to communicate, which is oftentimes how scripture is used. So growing up, I heard, uh, you've been given a, many gifts from God, and you can make A's in school, and you can be the best athlete. Uh, but you better be thankful for that in everything and recognize who all your gifts come from. So thankfulness was a, was a message. I heard, uh, I'm not sure this is in there, but I think somewhere it probably aligns with scripture. And that is, uh, no matter how much success you have from a worldly perspective, you better not ever get too big, big for your britches. Uh, I would hear, uh, you're going to figure it out and you're going to be successful. But you better think more of others than yourself. Um, I would hear to whom much is given, much is expected. And there was a commitment to the scripture. 
But that commitment, while I didn't recognize it at the time and looking back, that came through what my mom had decided scripture should be used for. Good intentions, arguably not exactly how God intended it. Uh, I've got a uh, uh, slide up here. Uh, that was uh, uh, when I graduated from high school in my Pontiac Sunbird hatchback. Some of y'all may remember them. It's some of the, one of the worst cars ever made. It's brown, a little kind of beige stripe down the side. And uh, so I'm about to leave to go to Austin day after I graduated from high school. Had an apartment, job, all consistent with all NCAA rules, as is all things at the University of Texas. And, uh, the, uh, and uh, so she comes out and she says, hey, I, I, I marked a place in here and I uh, read it, so I'm read it. And uh, so I read it and uh, said, Todd, always remember, love mama, 529.82. Uh, and that scripture was consistent with what I had lived, was continuing the things of which you've known, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which will make you wise unto salvation through Christ Jesus. Useful, uh, good intended, but absent of any message of how do you do those things which many people will call a legalistic approach that's based on self rather than an approach from the heart of God based on his power at work in and through us. So it was uh, also interesting that uh, in the context of, of, that was written by Peter, I'm sorry, written by Paul to Timothy, who was going to be the next the leader of the next generation of the church. <laughs> but that's all, the, all that could have been when, all, when he talks about Scripture is the Old Testament. Because there was no New Testament at the time that was written. And what I believe, if you read the Old Testament, not from a perspective of Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you, how you can use Scripture to bring about the end that I have decided that I get to play God and I get to use in people's lives around me and in my own life. <clears throat> what we see in the Old Testament is the, a love story of the heart of God for his people. And until I was in my 20s or 30s, I read the Old Testament and generally read the Bible consistent with how I was raised to be a lot of instruction on how to live and how well uh, we as people, me and, me, my, me and people around me, uh, could conform with these scriptural teachings. So uh, at some point in time, I read John 1 and I go, man, that's a little different. And in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. Now, when I hear word, I hear scripture. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that, he is, that, he has, that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's outside of my understanding at that time of, of in faith circles when you say the word, what does that mean? In John, it will go on to say, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Could it be that in addition to Scripture, that the Word is Jesus? It's the very essence of who Jesus is. And it's the nature of Jesus. And it's the presence of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus. And then you read the rest of the New Testament and you start hearing this, these terms about the Word and it sheds a whole new light. In John 14, 8, 6, it says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the context that has to do with salvation, but I would submit that coming to the Father is a daily a daily way of being and a daily shift in our paradigms as we approach the Father through Jesus. And our paradigm begins to shift. Because what I believe the totality of the Word is the Scriptures of God that give revelation through His Spirit to the heart and plan and nature of God. And I believe we would all be well served that some, we're all on different places in our faith journeys. But I believe no matter where we are, whether you've been a believer for an hour or 70 years, that this notion of, of approaching God in search of his truths and his perspective rather than ours is a rewarding endeavor that honors him and brings glory to him and allows us to walk out those things being the light of the earth for his glory. Um, here's the problem. If the word is only scripture, it's easy to become hyper-focused on ourself and the, other, and the conduct of others that results in legalism. It creates a comparison of people as to whether they're valued by God. It, it creates in each one of us a comparison of people as to each person's value to God. It generally sneaks in with each one of us that if I do this, then I will receive this reward from the people around me. It can also creep in in that if I fail to do this, therefore, I'm distanced from God. It can creep in in what I believe to be uh, the most severe case, the most harmful case, and that is uh, 
when we engage in legalism from Scripture, there is no way that we can have an assurance of heaven because it becomes dependent on our approach or our paradigm has to do with whether I'm doing enough to meet the requirements of being in heaven. Not, that's probably not a, uh, we don't just say that to ourselves, but that kind of works into, the, into who we are. <clears throat> it also results in us judging others and more so us judging ourselves. And all of those things apply whether we're talking about a real focus on Scripture, uh, as I grew up with, or if we're talking about a real focus on, on Jesus being the Word without a foundation of Scripture. Because what happens is uh, God never designed us to be God. And all of us probably, not probably, I would say uh, more than we will ever acknowledge to anyone else or to ourselves. We play God in the lives of most people around us. We decide how to use Scripture, how to use the use Jesus, how to use God, how to use the Holy Spirit. And we play God. Now here's the problem. There is not a soul in here who has not been significantly hurt. It could be generational things in our lives. It could be people around us. It could be family members. We could be up here all day talking about the ways that we've been hurt. But I will promise you that as Mike talked about, those scars, they stay with us. If we're focusing on self and we're trying to decide how to be God, while no one would ever say that, but when we're acting as God in our lives and other people's lives, we are affected by our experiences, our hurts, and our scars. Now here's the greatness of it. When we begin to use uh, and embrace this notion of the Word of God being the entirety, the Scripture and the, and the heart and nature of God, uh, He gave us an answer. So let's think about this. When I think about me, one of my favorite topics, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, can, I can be, as, as is the just and right place, I'm right in the middle. And we got, in my mind, I got Jesus over here, and I may have God over here, and I may have the Word of God over here, and I may have the Holy Spirit over here. And when I get to be my own God, I get to kind of pick and choose. So uh, Jesus is uh, full of grace and truth, so I think I want to have grace for this person, so I'm going to be Jesus-like. Well, God, man, he's all about truth. So I'm fixing to throw down some truth on this person. 
And, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals things, so I want to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit what I should tell that person, uh, not because I need to know it or they need to know it, but because I want them to know what I want them to know. So in John 15, four through six, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. Think equipped for every good work consistent with the second Timothy scripture by itself. It must remain in the vine. That means it's not just me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing. So again, talking about paradigms, how do we see our lives? Do we see our lives as me running the show and I'll use a little bit of Jesus when it's convenient and it's consistent with what I decided needs to come about? Well, I use a little bit of God when it's consistent and convenient for me bringing about that which I want to bring about. Well, I use the Word of God. Well, I use the Holy Spirit all to support what I've decided needs to happen. I can't decide looking at y'all if I'm the only person that does that or not. But uh, I'm going to take a chance on hopefully I'm not. <clears throat> so the second Timothy talked about continuing in the things in the scriptures. And Jesus says, remain in me. And then he goes on in John 14, 15 through 21. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give to you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. That's referencing the spirit of truth. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. And I wonder sometime even those, who, those of us who are believers, if we really know him, if we really see him, because our paradigm is so focused on ourselves that we're really blinded and choose not to see the spirit of truth. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Context-wise, this is before the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. It was God's plan for us to see him in the spirit of truth every day. Through a paradigm that lives every day seeing and hearing the spirit of truth in our lives. 
on that day you will realize, watch this, that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There's no, there's no segregation of God the Father, Jesus the Holy Spirit, and me. So when I try to segregate that and pick and choose, when I choose to be God, completely inconsistent with Scripture and not God's plan. God's plan is for our paradigm to be that we, we live in a state and a paradigm and paradigm a perspective that is, it is, is God and Jesus and the Spirit of truth all living in me. And that's who I am. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It is God's plan to reveal the very heart and essence of God to each one of us. Now watch what happens. Let's, let's assume that Jesus came to be in us and to be the light of the world from the previous scripture. When, I'm, when my paradigm is that I'm playing God, although we would never say that, when I'm choosing how I want to make everything happen around me and how I want to conduct my life, that's really self-serving. Uh, I'm not sure that there is an everlasting, there is any everlasting action from that paradigm that is the light to the world to bring glory and honor to God. But I will tell you this, that when we come to a paradigm where it is, it is God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in and through us, that's the plan. Because when we're attentive to that, we're walking out the things consistent with Scripture, consistent with the, the, the Word of God in Jesus, consistent with the nature and heart of all that God's plan is. Guess what? You think there's going to be some light brought into your circumstances? That is Jesus and the light of the world? I guarantee it. Doesn't mean always, that's one of the problems. We don't get to control the response. We can bring light. People can choose to, to block it out. You with me? The, the, the choice and the, the end game is to bring light, not to make that happen. You get it? Because if, you're, if, if the end game is to bring light and then uh, as long as they respond the way that I've decided that that light is supposed to go, uh, we've gone back to being being God. So do not be discouraged by throwing light When, when the pe people don't respond the way you want them to, because it's not your job to bring the response, it's your job to bring light. John 1 4 says, In him was life, and that life was light to all mankind. You want to bring life to circumstances around you? Throw off some light. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, 
and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How many, take that back to the, 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 the paradigm. If this paradigm is based on me playing God, guess who's gonna get the glory and who's the, what the motivation is to get the glory? Or at least the outcome. That'd be me. So within this paradigm of, of, of Christ in us, the end game is glory to God. And personally, it is a great motivation. Because at the end of the day, God's going to take care of things. We're just called to throw off some light. And we're equally called not to play God. Because we're not very good at it. Some of us are better than others. Uh, <laughs> my mom also used to say that, uh, and honestly, this is one of the things I'm very thankful for, is uh, she might have been the meanest woman in Ennis, Texas. And uh, she went toe-to-toe with me. And uh, I tell Susan every once in a while, can you imagine how prideful and arrogant I would be if she hadn't beat me in the head for 20 years? And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for that, I think. And uh, so uh, uh, I want to, uh, there's a, the, uh, that first exhibit, uh, I just moved the wrong venue there. It's probably not an exhibit. We'll call it a slide. Uh, the, uh, that's, uh, that's dated 1982. And uh, so Susan and I get married in 1991. And uh, the guy that, that marries us, uh, we do our little premarital counseling thing, and he says, uh, man, you got, yours is easy, it's just one thing. And I'm thinking, yes. And he says, he says uh, your job is to make sure that Susan knows that she is central and primary, and that she has a voice above anyone else on earth. What? <laughs> I'm 27 years old. And uh, so he was right. And uh, in all seriousness, that's an on, that for men, that is an ongoing dated, that's going to be forever there. That's a struggle. Uh, equally important is while completely unable to understand women, uh, I've reasonably certain that that is a truth, that wives want to be central and primary and be, be a voice. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny, Brett Carr. Uh, huh? <laughs> reasonably true? All right. Uh, so uh, here's a story. My mom, who was basically used, raised in a church that scripture was, was used to bring about ends. Uh, Fast forward to 1992, uh, Susan and I been married uh, for about a year, and uh, uh, I became pretty convicted that that guy was right, that uh, central and primary in the voice was important. So uh, sometimes when I become convicted, I'm not overly sensitive to the people that it affects, I've heard. And uh, so 
I was not very sensitive to significantly changing the role with my, the relationship between my mom and I. And we were tight. So I just kind of cut that off. I mean, didn't talk a lot, didn't just, you know, that kind of seemed to me like the plan of action. And it was. Uh, so about a, in 1992, about a year after we'd been married, I get a call at the office and uh, it's my mom. She never called at the office. And she said, hey, uh, I need to ask you to forgive me for something. And I said, who is this? And, uh, and she was like, I'm serious. That's funny. Uh, and she said, uh, I want you to know that uh, uh, for the last year or so since you and Susan got married, uh, I, I know that you changed our relationship. And I was hurt. And I was sad. And I was angry. I was frustrated uh, because of what you chose to do. But I need you to forgive me because what God has shown me, and it wasn't a scripture, it was the power and presence of God in his nature, is that the very thing that I prayed for you from the time you were born, which was to care more about what the, what the ways of God were than what people thought, I never, I, I never thought I would become one of those people. And uh, so, uh, I think that's a, that's a good example of all of us, if we have a bent toward Scripture, kind of being our own God, seeing it, because I can promise you, if she's still in her own God mode over here, she ain't ever asking me to forgive her, nor being a city on a, being a, city on a hill with some lights, shedding light. That gave me great comfort because it encouraged, because I mean, I knew that was a problem. I mean, that was a deal but it, it encouraged me uh, that that was no longer something I was going to have to deal with. And frankly, things were a lot better all around after that happened. So uh, when you're, uh, I guess when you're living committed to God, as uh, Mike said earlier, there's going to be some hurts. But just because there's hurts doesn't mean that it's not consistent with God's plan for us to throw light into the world, whether it be in our family, or in our circumstances, or our work, or whatever that is. When we throw light, sometimes there's gonna be some pain that comes back. Uh, I'm wondering if, uh, I'm wondering if we'll continue and remain in him and we just say, God, just let us continue and remain in him that our paradigm won't shift. And that paradigm will shift off of me being God to control my feelings and circumstances and I'll stop operating out of those hurts and I'll start operating with a paradigm of my life is Jesus in me, God in me, and the spirit of truth in me. I believe this morning, uh, God would be very pleased if we considered a paradigm of who we are.
continuing and remaining in him. Where he's the center. And the challenge is, where does God want to work in and through you to, to throw light into the world, which was his plan from the beginning?